The Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast is proudly sponsored by New Vision. My team, Kanda, power. I love the power. power, power. I love the power. power, power. Welcome to Port Fan Radio. My name's Rick Newenhoven. I'm excited to be back tonight, even after another loss. And that's four losses out of five games. And the wheels are starting to fall off the Port Adelaide cart. But... There's still hope, there's still life, and uh, Bevo's a firm believer. Uh, I'm not with him, but uh, it's okay. We'll, uh, we've got a bit of diversity on the show tonight, so it should be exciting. Uh, looking forward to the uh, chat room and get involved, everybody. It seems like we've had lots of Port Fan Radio traction this, uh, this few, last few days, and um, everyone wants to have a, have a bit of a chat. And tonight we've got uh, Bevo back with us. Bevo, how are you? You know, guys, yeah, still a bit shattered after the weekend, but we move on, as Kenny says, and um, there's still hope, even though you guys uh, don't agree. <laughs> uh, I'm still holding holding faith. Keep the faith. Hashtag keep the faith. <laughs> and you're a complete optimist because you just said you're going to be going over to, to Victoria to brave the Collingwood crowd this weekend. Yeah, that's it. I, you know, I thought it's a good opportunity um, to, to get over there and support the boys, uh, you know, I haven't had the best of years personally with um, the job situation and that sort of thing. So I thought, why not make the most of it? That's great. And of course, tonight we've also got our man, Cam, the man. No nickname. How are you, buddy? <laughs> you must be doing I'm a tough great, based in Perth. Another oh. disaster. What the hell's D- going on, man? Disappointed, deflated, mate. Look, I, I got to say, I mean, look, the Eagles supporters generally were respectful, even a little sympathetic, a number of them. But uh, to be honest, I just didn't want to talk about it with them. So, uh, yes, I just wanted to try and get through the whole weekend without talking to anyone, which is pretty impossible over here in WA, particularly when you're spending all Sunday at a, at a local footy game. So, yeah, mate. Uh, Look, as you say, there has been a lot of um, there's been a lot going on Port Fan Radio last couple of days. So, looking forward to tonight. Yeah, exciting. So, as per normal, and Porsche, my lovely co-host on the Thursday night. Hopefully, I'll be able to join you this Thursday, Porsche. Um, she's on chatting away, which is great. Um, just quickly, we'll do our quick uh, around the grounds. I know everyone wants to talk Port, so we won't. Uh, we won't spend too much time on the round of grounds, but the ladder's really starting to take shape now. Um, Richmond, obviously, clear-cut leader. Uh, they probably have been the standout for a few weeks now, uh, even though they keep uh, opposition teams in the game. Uh, West Coast have broken away in the second, and you'd think that they'll, uh, they'll be good for second position. The Giants have continued their charge, um, and then we've still got that tight tussle um, for fourth down to... Uh, what is it, six on 52 points with Hawthorne, Collingwood, Sydney, then Melbourne, Port and Geelong. I think that's probably going to be the battle for the the top eight. Um, Where do you guys see the top eight panning out? Um, Sydney's got a tough run, um, but Melbourne have a very tough run with the Eagles and I think the Giants. Geelong have got a soft draw. They've got two wins, so I think Geelong will make the final. So... I think it might be out of Port and uh, Melbourne for the final spot, uh, assuming that Sydney get a, a couple of wins. What do you guys think? Yeah, I reckon that's pretty fair. And I don't know, I'm still quietly confident this week, boys. I know that sounds silly, but I just feel as though um, 
Port played the some or Port this year played their best footy being an underdog, you know. And um, you know, we saw against Sydney earlier on the season when well, they were down at half time and they came back and won that game. I know completely different mm-hmm. circumstances, but I just feel like we've got nothing to lose this Saturday. We're gonna go in um major underdogs, but sometimes that brings the best out of us and when you consider the last couple of weeks, I know we've lost both games, but it's probably the best footy we've been playing for a long time. And um, I feel as though we can beat Collingwood this weekend, beat the Bombers the last game of the year. People might call me stupid, but that's my thoughts anyway. Yeah, so, I, look, you're right. Geelong are in. It comes down to us and, uh, I guess, Sydney, Melbourne. Um, I, I, I don't know. I... I I don't know that we can make the eight, and even if we do, we're going to scrape in and barely just make up the numbers with the injuries and players that we've now got available. And that's and that's just bad luck, unfortunately. So I, I don't know. Even making the eight is probably... I, I don't know what that's going to do for us. Do you think... It's an interesting thing that you just pointed out. It's, it's not on my run sheet, but you've mentioned the injuries... Um, but our, are our injuries actually that bad? I mean, every footy team, every roster gets injuries. Uh, we lost a couple of players uh, during the game. Houston will be okay by all reports, so he should be able to come back in. Um, I feel like we're running pretty close to our uh, best 22. Uh, Dixon, obviously, is going to be out with a broken ankle. Uh, Ryder's going to be hit and miss, but you know that um, Hinkley's going to give him every opportunity to play half-injured. Um, so we're still close to uh, full power. Does Port Adelaide actually have the list depth? Yeah, no, well, it's an interesting one. Yeah, so, yeah, sorry, I was just going to say, I was going to say, boys. Um, like I know people say that the the other sides of like you know the Giants and Collingwood and these sort of sides have had injuries as well, and we've had a pretty good run this year. But when you consider we've we don't have the tallest side, and when you take out Dixon and Ryder from the same in the same game, it makes it pretty tough in terms of um, putting Paul Westy in the ruck. And and yeah, that just killed us. I think as soon as Dixon and Ryder went down, I knew we were in trouble. And and I think we we actually did pretty well to almost hold on, considering. And I think Vossi said that today. He said he was pretty proud of us boys because you know like West Coast had all those tools and. We tried our absolute guts out and we had one player on the bench the last quarter and we know in modern footy how fast the, the game is. So obviously a horrible shattering result, but I don't know. I don't think it's as bad as everyone's making it out to be. What do you guys think? Well, the, just... well in, in relation to the question, sorry, the, with the injuries, yeah. Firstly, I'll just say I, I agree with you, Bevo, uh, around our height and I think the problem is with Ryder, whether he plays or he doesn't play, he's not 100% fit and he's who we base our ruck work around and he's he can be very influential in those um, yeah, in those stoppages, obviously. So th- that's where I think, uh, yeah, our injuries, the actual injuries that we've got are quite... Um, they're, they're, you know, they're, they're valuable players and perhaps our depth may not be quite there. Now, I think we've used up our, our cards. Yeah, look, I just don't know if we can use injury in the game as an excuse. I mean, we had uh, we had the, we had the players there for the bulk of the game. It was only really the last quarter. 
Um, Craig saying I'm blaming Ken for the loss. We'll get to that shortly, and that's not necessarily completely true. Um, but um, you know, the Giants last week smashed Carlton by 100 points um, with four injuries and no bench. Uh, and again, this week they had another three injuries, and um, and they were able to run out the game. Um, against the Crows, who were pretty feisty and knocked us off, obviously, the week before. Um, so, And we were in the game long enough to actually win the game. So I don't believe we can use those injuries in, as an excuse. So, uh, but, and as, as Judy Carl, said, Carl, we were 28 um, points up. Carlton aren't second on the ladder either. Yeah, 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 I, I get that. But, you know, we've got a minute and a half to go in the game with two, basically two, they need to kick two goals to win. Um, yeah, rotations or not, we should be able to get over the line in that game. And we're going to talk about that shortly. Um, I think you guys are a little bit soft on Port Adelaide and like to find excuses. Um, whereas uh, I'm a bit more of a, a hard man and a realist and don't make excuses. Oh. And, uh, you know, I go back to the Timmy G Bible and, he, you know, tough it out, suck it up. And, um, you know, if we got thrashed and overrun five minutes into the last quarter, well, then, yeah, you could argue... Uh, injuries, but considering we got all the way uh, to two minute thirty, two minutes in, and we're we're leading that game, and really there's no excuses. So uh, I think you guys are letting Port Adelaide off the hook, and I don't know, you guys, millennial Gen Y, are you, are you guys, the new world, the soft ones, that it's okay, it's all right if we only win a premiership every forty years, and um, as, long as, as long as we're in the main competition, that's all that matters. Oh, jeez. Now, I reckon you used my term in there. You called yourself a realist. Now, remember, that we're not in the SANFL anymore. We can't win it every year. But, uh, yeah, I definitely think that... I, I, I definitely think that because of those injuries, that is why that, that was the difference in the end because that was what allowed uh, West Coast to swing McGovern to the forward line. And we just had no match for him. But, yeah, look, obviously, we'll, we'll, we'll get to these issues. Well, mate, there is some controversial stuff that we've got to go over tonight. I've been, I've been, <laughs> yes. creating, a, uh, I've been creating a storm on, uh, on big footy uh, with, some, uh, with some of yeah, my opinions. And they, and they don't like it. You guys are picking on me. You don't like it. But I just <laughs> don't... I, I feel like half of our supporter base is willing to go down a St Kilda pathway, which is it's okay, boys, as long as we're out there giving it a go. Um, yeah, that is not the uh, that is not the Port Adelaide way. The the chat room's already going off, which is uh, which is great, and we'll try and get through the questions. But um, interesting in the media, um, you know, Kane Corn slammed the last two minutes uh, of the game. Um, Malcolm Blight, who I respect quite a quite a bit as a coach. I mean, I think he's been fantastic. And Alex Handel, um, yeah, he's just said no goals in the last quarter. Well, you could actually say that from around the 14-minute mark of the third quarter, um, we did not score, right, uh, a goal. So, uh, But Malcolm Blight's come out and said we lack speed and we lack composure. The Vic media don't trust us. And all I'd like to say about it is that you know, we seem to keep delivering farcical results and that's the problem. You know, the coaches come out and say, we'll learn, we'll learn. And, you know, a lot of the supporters in the chat now are heartbroken as well. How many heartbreaking losses do we need to take um, to learn? You know, to see the West Coast Eagles in the change rooms uh, taking a selfie to send back to the thug gaff to cheer him up 
you know, Nick Nack doing his, um, you know, doing his thing. You know, I mean, boys, enough is enough. You know, the Port Adelaide that we know and grew up with are tough, resilient, and do not let opposition teams into the game. And, you know, I think you guys are letting them off the hook a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I do sort of see where you're coming from a little bit, Rick, in that last our last minute and a bit, we probably should have held on. And, and if we had our time again, I, I think leadership's a, a really big one because we probably needed someone, you know, like a bohe or someone to go over to Motlop and say, mate, you know, just kick backwards, kick backwards. You know, like we've got a minute to go on the clock. I don't know. I didn't actually see Chad run out on the ground and tell them how long to go. Did you guys see that at all? Because it seemed like they thought that, you know, there was less time than what there was or, you know, or they... I don't know. Maybe they thought there was more time, and that's why they rushed it. I'm not sure, but yeah, they definitely probably cost themselves a little bit by not, you know, playing tempo footy. What do you guys think with that one? Look, I heard Voss make the point today, though, that it's very difficult, and it's true. It's very difficult if if the goal's not kicked. It can be hard to get the messages out. So in a quarter where there wasn't much scoring going on. It's not that easy for Chad to get to all the players or to get a group of players and actually explain what's going on and what's about to happen. And I think you're right, and it's been brought up a fair bit today in the media, that it was the on-field leadership that was the problem. That that was the problem. Not enough players standing up. Now, in the past few years, Geelong and Hawthorne and these sort of sides... They wouldn't have had that issue because everyone would have known and, and, and everyone would have stood up and said, all right, hang on, I know what I need to do here. But, look, we didn't have that, unfortunately. But also, we didn't have anywhere to go. So, again, That's say no that excuse, kick into the, that is yeah, no, that that, into the this... forward line, if Charlie had been there, it probably would have gone to him. You know, <laughs> McGovern wouldn't have been playing down in the forward line as well. Like, you know, these are the sort of things we, we actually, like a game of chess, we, yeah, we actually gave this up and it allowed them to make other moves. I mean, have a look at earlier in the game, we thought they were going to lose both their ruckmen. They would have been stuffed. As it turns out, we lost our two tallest players. So, look, you know, it, it's, not, it's not an easy game. Yeah, look, I, I still think you guys are copping out, right? Because... This is the sixth year in the Hinkley era. Now, and you brought up Geelong and Hawthorne. Those teams are process-driven. And there is no way... And I actually... And if you look at Big Footy, I posted up... Uh, sorry, all Port Fan Radio. I posted up some screenshots of the last two minutes. And I also posted up some content of the, um, of the Hawthorne-Essendon fi- uh, final two minutes from last, last week. And if you look at it, Roughhead in the last minute 30, in the same position as Cleary, kicks 30 metres backwards to a half-contested situation where Hawthorne took the mark and kept the goal and then were able to manoeuvre down the boundary line. They had a set play to maintain possession of the ball. Now, Hinckley's had six years to practice with this team to, for this simulation to be effective. Now, the fact that the play... So, first I was blaming Hinckley and thinking that he... Obviously, he's not good enough. Like his, but then I thought about it, and it's like he's an AFL senior coach. There is no way that he would not have trained these guys to simulate the last two minutes, which therefore means but that, 
that I'll just finish and then I'll, I'll yeah, you guys yeah. can bash me, right? So that <laughs> means he's not he's negligent, right? He's not incompetent, but he's negligent because he keeps selecting the same players that perform and do the same results. And that is where the problem is, right? So, and we might as well bring it up now. So on Bigfooty, I posted up and I said, it's, we've got to look at the senior players, right? Where were the leaders out there helping Cleary, guiding Cleary to slow it down, right? They, they weren't there. Now, and that is the problem. So who are the senior players? Robbie Gray, he's a senior player. He's an absolute superstar. Travis Boat, he has uh, been a great captain, Maybe statistically one of the weaker poor captains, but he's still been a great captain. Justin Westoff, Brad Ebert, right? They're one of they've been four of the main pillars since two thousand and seven and onwards. Now, to me personally, outside of Robbie Gray, one or some of those guys have to go. And I know that's put a, a spanner in the wheel of many people's thought process, but at the same time, what are we going to benefit by letting go? an Aiden Johnson or a Carl Amon, all these senior players, it's not going to change anything. It's the senior players that aren't standing up at the right time. And since 2015, I've been talking about lack of composure, right? So it's not these young guys that are coming in and out and making the composure issues. Westhoff in the last two weeks in two pressure games has had 17 clangers. Last week against the Crows, 43% disposal efficiency. I know he's had a pretty solid season, but when the heat is on, he hasn't been there. Right? And that's that's what we've got to do. We've got to look at it. And I know everyone thinks I've got an agenda against Westhoff. I don't. I just see him differently to what other people do. I, I don't get caught up in his going behind the play and taking some marks every now and again. And we, I just think we've got a mental, fragile problem now and we need to churn some of these senior players that have been in the system for a long period of time to shape the whole system up. And so I think Kinkley has been negligent in rewarding those players do you consistently. Think, do you Go for it. Sorry, Matt. I just say, at the very start, I actually said that leadership was our issue, um, yeah. and it is. So I agree with you on... I think we've got some agreement on that point. Because the, the players on the ground, and I completely see what you're saying about senior players, but I don't think this is Hinckley's fault. In, a, in that sort of situation on the field, it's now over to the players to take this leadership and make these decisions. Hinckley can't say to them, right, because they will have gone through this a number of times. Hinckley can't say to them, right, now it's time for you to do exactly what we said at training that night. Those players have already got to switch on to do that. That is not Hinckley's fault. That is the yeah. players. So, yeah, yeah. look, as you say, that yes, the senior players need a big whack for that. And as you, whether it means... And I, I like your point about, you know, what are we going to achieve by getting rid of, you know, Eamon and, and these guys because really what impact are they having? Um, I actually don't have a real problem with that. The only thing is you can't just pick up that whole group of senior players and then go and find another group to replace them. Mm. Well, I think we've got, got the senior play- we've got the senior players there. But anyway, what do you want to say, Bevo? Yeah. I just want to say this might sound a bit a bit strange to some people, but there's quite a few players still from that 2007, and obviously Chad Corns is part of that that team. There's still people involved um, in our current side that were involved in that horrific day in 2007. Do you think that's 
we've still got mental scarring from that. Uh, no, um, I think that that's only there's only Boak and Westhoff that are still playing. I don't know if Robbie Chad Gray Collins. actually played in that grand final or not. I'm sure I'm sure nah, one of the chat listeners I, would correct me if I'm wrong. I'm pretty but, sure he didn't. But no, but I, I do think that over the cum- accumulation of time, uh, that there would be scarring there, and I just wonder, like you know, would these senior players? Um, you know they they've been they've been burnt so many times they lack that composure that they're used to losing now right and not that they want to lose but they're conditioned to the honorable loss um, because that's that's what they're familiar with and if they keep repeating the same things it does have to stop with the coach and I agree with you the players are out there but if the players can't execute after six years that game plan well then the coach can't keep picking those players, and if he does, that's his fault. Yeah, it's like it's yeah, like me and it's like me in business, right? If if my team keep failing to execute, a my business is going to lose revenue, and then b I'm going to be out of business, right? Because they're consistently not executing what they need to execute. So then, what do I do? I either go out of business, I change the process, or I have to sack the team and get a new one. Right, so we've changed coaches, uh, we've therefore changed process, and it's still happening. So obviously, we might need to start looking at the cattle. Mm. Yeah, mm, interesting. I guess well, Frantum's definitely going to play this week, so I'll be interested to see how he goes. Will he play? Yeah, I think he will. Yeah. I, I think he needs to. Um, yeah, look. We've also won some close games too. Yes. Uh, so, you know, at the end of the day, the, look, I, and I, again, I do understand the point about um, players being conditioned to lose an honourable loss because I, I think, as much as I hate to admit it, I think I've been involved in those sort of teams before. Now, that can be a problem. However, like I say, this team, though, also has had some close wins, some difficult wins, and so they've proven they can do it. I still put it firmly on the players who were there in those, in those dying minutes of the game who are to blame. Look, I think, I think Ken and the coaches, the, the assistant coaches, they went pretty hard to put a side together towards the end of last season that was going to deliver us some results. Now, unfortunately, we haven't got those results and they've failed on that uh, on that scale. So, but, so where's Paddy Paddy Ryder at? Like, he's a great player. Yeah. His durability yep. now has to come under severe question. We've spoken about yes. uh, recruiting a backup Ruckman, whoever that is, Lysa, Pruis, whoever. But the thing is, can we actually rely on Paddy Ryder coming into the 2019 season, or is his body cooked? And is it going to be a dangerous game on the coaches, which have shown loyalty so far in this you know, recent period of time, um, to back in Ryder again in 2019? And will that expose us again? Bevo? Yeah, look, I... Oh, sorry, on you go. <laughs> Just, we're fired up tonight, aren't we? Yeah. We are. It's great. No, I think... 
I think, yeah, it wouldn't be a bad thing next year to, or obviously, to get another Ruckman is one of our key, mm-hmm. key things we need to do first. But if we, yeah, if we can get another Ruckman, then Paddy could potentially spend more time up forward. I, I could see him playing more time up forward than in the Ruck, and then that might give him a, few, a couple of extra years longer. What do you guys think about that? Well, Cam, I'll yeah. let you answer. Who's going to sit, if we're going to play Ryder up forward, and apparently he doesn't like playing up forward... Who's going to sit out of Dixon, uh, Watson, Marshall? Well, no, I'm just, I'm just saying a bit more time up forward, not, not completely, but you know, more time up forward than in the ruck, perhaps. So, yeah, I, I, I think, I think Paddy's cooked. Uh, I, I mean, I, you, you keep him, you still keep him, and you still uh, have him there, but he's going to be more of a bit player ruckman, I think, than, than the number one ruckman. He, here's my thoughts that. Um, we we let and I'm probably I'm going to bring up another issue here, but but that's okay. But we let Polly go, so we free up some salary cap. We you know we get our our picks whatever. We go hard for another ruckman. I think we're also going to have to change our captain straight up next year. Um, there's going to need to be a few changes in place, and Ryder is going to have to play. Spend some time up forward. And the thing is, you can't... We've we've obviously worked our forward line around Dixon this year. And again, we've seen how dangerous that can be. So we've, we've relied on Ryder. We've relied on Dixon. They're now going to have to... You know, like I say, Ryder's going to have to spend a bit less time in the ruck. And he's also going to be a little bit of backup for Dixon. And yeah, we are going to have to balance that. Hmm. So um, we've spoken about Ryder. We've spoken about the injuries as an excuse or not. Uh, we've we've touched on the leaders. We'll go into the final two minutes shortly. Um, the defensive game plan. Where are we at? I mean, fifty-eight to sixty-two. We've been notoriously low scoring this year. It's great that we've got this awesome uh, defense, right? Where we're we're able to restrict. Uh, side scoring, but our offense has been horrendous, and and really it's cost us victories, and we just lack this severe inability to score. Like I said, from about the fourteen, with fourteen minutes on the sh- on the clock going down in the third, was when we scored our last goal. Um, yeah, so even with injuries, yeah, we had our opportunities. Um, Robbie Gray probably should have kicked definitely one of the two. One was harder. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's a real um, it was a real challenge. So where where are we at with the defensive game plan, guys? Cam. <laughs> oh, okay. Hey, look. Let's hey, just firstly, big cheerio to Gino, who's a first time listener. Good on you, mate. Um, yeah, I, I don't love it. I, I, you see it in the SANFL as well. We we play that style in the SANFL, and and we. We do struggle to score. It's high possession and um, low scoring. The, at the start of the year, the whole idea, I, I thought, was that the team were going to play exciting, direct footy. And we've actually... What, we're, what we are doing is playing a lot of defensive footy. And I don't know if that has something to do with maybe injuries to some of our key taller players or not. But um, we do seem to be looking to hold it up a, a lot and... and kick it around and look I do find it frustrating 
as you say, probably more from a scoreboard point of view because at least last year we, we were scoring and, and we were putting teams away. This year, even though we've been winning, it's been difficult to watch because we've only just been hanging in there and finishing at the end. So it, it seems as though it's brought us a little bit unstuck in situations like the last few games where we have played sides that, that can score and can wear us down. Yeah, I think... I definitely think that something we need to look at is, like Blighty said, um, is like an, a bit more speed. So whether it be someone up forward or in the midfield or whatever, and, and maybe depth is something that's an issue for us. But yeah, we do need to look at scoring more next year because we can't rely on defensive footy. That's just not going to get us. That's not going to win your grand finals. Um, you know, like you play against a side like Richmond who loves to take the game on and loves to score you can't make it a defensive struggle. It's not going to happen. So if we want to match it with the best sides, we have to look at a game plan where we can score more. I 100% agree with that, Rick. And look at the Dogs game. That was probably one of our... Sorry, the, the game at the Adelaide Oval earlier on the year, and we scored like 20 goals or something. We need to have more games like that. So, I, feel, I feel like yeah, um, I don't, I don't know. the coaches are coaching the players to uh, not wanting to lose instead of wanting to win, right? And that's what's keeping this low-scoring defensive game going, which is keeping opposition teams in the game. West Coast, even with injuries, West Coast should not have been in that game. If we kept some attacking flair, um, we should have dominated. And we did have a few chances and we didn't take them. Um, Some people are blaming Hinckley. Some people are looking at Nathan Bassett. Some people are nervous that Nathan Bassett might be the senior assistant. Some people want him to be the senior assistant. Um, what do no, you guys? What do you guys think about the Bassett, Bassett take? No, that's ridiculous. Bassett's been fantastic this year. If you consider a young defence and look at the guys like Clurie, Houston, um, DBJ, like look at how 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 much improvement they've had this year. No, Bassett's been amazing. We cannot knock him at all. Mm. No, definitely not. What do you think, Ken? Oh, I think, yeah, Bassett's quite a good communicator. And as you say, it's, uh, what he's done with our back line has been sensational. I, I actually, uh, with our uh, coaching staff, I really rate him and Voss. I, I know you'll disagree with me there, Rick, but uh, I think the two of them have, have done an excellent job with the, the team and the players. I think there's a... I'm joking. Yeah, I, I, I mean... I think that the good thing for Voss is I think there's still room for improvement in that midfield. But, um, yeah, I think they're doing a good job. So. Don't, you think, <laughs> don't you think he's torched a very good midfield? You look Even now, you look at the midfield. You've got Chad Wingard, you've got Ollie Wines, you've got Sam Powell-Pepe, you've got Rockcliffe, you've got Polek, you've got Motlop. I mean, the, you've got Ebert. Uh, the name goes on and on and on and... You know, our midfield should be performing a lot better. We put up put up some stats last week than what it is. You got Paddy Ryder, one of the best rucks in the competition. We need yeah, we're one of the best. We're, we're one of the best clearance teams in the competition. We're like number two or something for clearances in the comp, or four. So, but it doesn't our game style skew it to that by well, playing. We're, one, we're also one of well, we're also one of the best tackling sides. Um, well, I think we're about number two for tackles in the comp too. So that's uh, a lot of that comes down to our midfield because the bulk of that, or, or one of the areas we really stand out, is tackles inside fifty. So 
I've got uh, I've got a lot of time for that midfield. When you look at what he started with all those years ago and, and what he's built it into now, um, he's done quite well. Right. Bevo? Yeah, I mean, I think... I definitely think we need more speed in the midfield. That's one of our that's one of our issues because obviously you've got Power Peps, you've got Wines and Rockcliffe. These sort of guys are, are more in and under sort of players and Ebert as well. So speed, I definitely agree with Blighty. That's one of the, the things that we need to look at is a speedy, a speedy, classy midfielder. Um, and in terms of our forward line, yeah, I don't know what, what we can do to... Maybe we need to chase a, another small forward that can actually play a bit, um, because Sam Gray, I rated him, but he's just lost 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 form badly. Aiden Johnson, you know, shown a bit obviously last week, so maybe he's going to be good. But we, Jack Watts is definitely not a a key forward. He's more of a wingman in my opinion, or a high half forward. So, and Marshall's been injured, so our forward line, yeah, has struggled this year. So we've got to do something about that. I don't know. Like I, I don't, like you guys saw on on Saturday in the last quarter, the Eagles had like Willie Rioli, Liam Ryan, I think that's his first name. I can't remember, but the two Aboriginal fellas, and and they were just awesome. We we, we really, Jakey Knee tries his heart out, but he doesn't get enough for the ball and score enough goals. So we really need to look at another small forward, I reckon. And a, and a speedy midfielder. That's my I, opinion. What did you guys think about that? I think there's two points there. Like one is. Are we actually going to play game plan that's going to take advantage of the speed? Because even Motlop's lot look slow because we haven't been able to get in the ball properly. And uh, Porsche's challenged you, um, Cam, by saying... She has. Yeah, she has. We're second for clearances, but we have the most clearances against, which is the whole point. The data skewed to make Voss look good with our game style, but it actually isn't that great. Yeah, look, bearing in mind too, we don't we haven't had enough of Paddy this year either and we're very high in tackles. So obviously there's a lot of stoppages in our game. So the the fact is, uh, where are we for hit outs? If if someone can check that out. If we're fairly low in the competition for hit outs, then uh, we <laughs> Our midfield's probably doing a reasonably good, reasonably good job. Where I'm we sure, do struggle is sure centre clearances. Yeah, yeah, no, no doubt. That's, that's what I'm asking. In centre clearances, we're much lower than we are in stoppage clearances. So, look, it's, um, you know, I guess you could look at it either way. I'd like to know in what areas, uh, and not necessarily from you, but if any of our listeners want to throw it out there, I'd like to know what areas our midfield are underperforming in. Sure, let's see what they say. Um, just a few yeah, things. Absolutely. Judy Judy said, what yep. about Wits? Uh, Craig said, should we target Fantasia? Absolutely, if we can get him. Uh, Magpie Power said, goddamn analytics. So he's not impressed with you, Cam. Um, why, we're trying to, <laughs> why we're trying to wait for some of the... Uh, and Scott said, boss is shithouse. Um, oh. Yeah, I'm, I'm not convinced. And we're ninth for hitouts and fourth for hitouts against. Ninth for hitouts. Well, well, then that's not a bad effort from our midfield then being able to get as many clearances as we do. So, um, yeah, look, I, I still, I still stand by that with our with our midfielders on the clearance stat. Um, but yeah, look, if there are other, uh, if there's other areas or other KPIs for our midfielders that we think um, we are underperforming, and hey, I'm, I'm open to that. I'm more than happy to to have a look at that. 
So Trent Craig has gone on a, a 30 minute vendetta on Trent Henschel. He ain't happy. <laughs> he ain't happy with Trent. He's brought him up like five times. <laughs> yeah. Get the F Trent Henschel I, out. But, I think uh, Craig wants us to talk about Trent Henschel. <laughs> yeah. But what I do want to talk about quickly is um, the final two minutes. I'll give you my summary. Uh, Mac yep. has asked us to dissect the last 30 seconds. So uh, I'll yep. go through, um, which I think a lot has been brought up in the media already, but I, I ran the the final two minutes on the AFL website and did the, the whole pause thing. So basically the talking points out of it is obviously for some strange reason we're in front with two goals. They need to kick two goals. There's about a minute 30 left. Um, and... Uh, We've been playing slow all game, and then for some reason we then start to play fast. So the commentary has been Motlop uh, playing on on the wing and not holding up the ball. And um, I'm not as critical on that one because he did have a loose man uh, going with him. Um, so you can see that he was drawing the player. However, they really there should have been sort of a kick possession to try and hold up the play. Um, and uh, but you can't really criticise too much. Uh, then we get to a minute 30. I was sitting on the western flank, right? This, so this was pretty much right in front of me. Uh, Chad had the ball, looking for options. They were pretty cluttered in the forward 50. He got guided by one teammate correctly to chip it to Cleary just outside 50 right in the pocket, uh, which he did. Um, but then, you know, he stayed pretty stationary from that, didn't really make any movement or go backwards to provide a back option. Um, need, not really any other player did either. Cleary, I think, had adrenaline going, and instead of going backwards, which we spoke about at the start of the show and what a lot of people have spoken about, um, decided to play on quickly and go long to a small player on a two-on-one. Um, now, I don't know if he meant to kick it there and he meant to maybe pull it closer to the boundary, but he didn't. Um, and then uh, they ran the ball out, um, and then, uh, then we had Brad Ebert uh, not long after that overrun the ball which was probably the biggest cardinal sin um, not long before that in the defensive uh, 50 for West Coast he uh, he came in front of Pittard who was going to take an easy chest mark um, and then decided to just punch it over the line so two lack of composure moments within a minute but the second one was just a you know ridiculous I mean as a senior player he should know to get a hand on the ball he wasn't had didn't have anyone hard on his tail, so he could have slowed down if he wanted to. Robbie Gray correctly came off his man to that contest. All he had to do was get a hand, a tap, or whatever. Didn't even need to take possession, and we would have iced that game because it would have been a Gray. He probably would have had a score, or he could have just tried to pass it, something, and that would have been enough. So that, as a leader, that was probably the biggest um, moment, I'll call it, in the in the game for me. From that, they ran it down. There was a contest, as per normal, which happens with Port Adelaide. It wasn't a cluttered uh, defensive 50. We still held structure throughout the ground, so they, you know, it, we didn't completely outnumber them. And uh, and Lacroix got out the back and uh, kicked the goal. So then we got down to this like final 45 seconds. Um, again, we didn't really flood the West Coast defence. All we had was. Uh, one spare man, which was Robbie Gray. Uh, he wasn't at the centre clearance for some reason. And our loose man at the stoppage when Lysa kicked the ball was Jared Pollock. So again, we had two players suck into the West Coast player with the ball. And Lysa got the ball, 
Pollock was ball watching, wasn't trying to get the loose man. And if you look at the still footage that I post up on the Facebook page, you'll even see Port Adelaide defenders on our attacking side of West Coast, West Coast players. Lysak gets a quick kick, and you can see West Coast strategically were very smart in that defensive 50. They held Darling off the, off the pack, um, so they isolated um, McGovern by keeping Cleary on Darling. And then you had Howard 15 minutes away, Jonas on one of the small Aboriginal boys out the back, leaving McGovern being stood by Brad Ebert and Robbie Gray as a loose man. Now, and then McGovern just pushed Ebert nice and easily out just before taking the mark, and obviously the rest is history. Why we didn't flood more numbers back? We didn't need anyone forward, and I don't understand what was going on there, and why Jonas and Ebert didn't swap roles and Jonas go to McGovern, and Jonas is our best stoppage player or stop player for that, and Ebert go to the small is beyond me, and I don't know why Robbie Gray was our loose man either. I mean, hindsight is a wonderful thing, but obviously... Yeah, if we're willing to play Wines in the ruck, we should have played him at that midfield stoppage as an extra ruck midfielder and had and had Westhoff as our loose man. It was a cluster duck scenario and we executed poorly. And this goes back to what we said right at the beginning. That comes down to process, coaching and following instructions in gameplay when the players have to execute themselves because you can't get the messages out in time. And... It was just a complete cluster. It just didn't work. And West Coast was structurally much stronger. They had strategic plans. They executed them and it worked. And Port Adelaide was left floundering. And that's why we lost the game. Not injuries, not anything else. And that's why we keep doing the same old, same old honourable losses because we don't know how to perform in those final two minutes in close games. Go for it, boys. Do you think, do you think Ebert um, overrunning the ball was a... It was a bit of an issue as well. It was the, it was the worst out of all of it, out of all those problems. And I mean, like I said, hindsight is a wonderful thing. You know, we can go back and pick it apart. It's great to be an analyst, but a professional footballer overrunning the ball like that was deplorable. Ebert's last five minutes was woeful. From sport, from getting in the way of Pittard's mark to then overrunning the ball, and then easily being pushed up by McGovern. Um, and and taking McGovern in the first place, um, yeah, he he had a woeful five minute period at the end of the game there. But that overrunning of the ball should not not happen. And Cam, you're a football player, you know. Surely you know that's a cardinal sin. Oh yeah, actually, funny funny you say that. When Ebert um, when he got in the way and he and he punched the ball away when he could have actually marked it. I was in a similar situation yesterday when I was playing and the ball's coming down. I'm thinking, what do I do? I'm thinking, hang on, what would Ebert do? So I did the opposite and I marked it. <laughs> and in, in that split second. So, yeah, that was uh, it was funny. Yeah, look, overrunning the ball. Oh, look, you, you see it all the time, disappointing. Look, I, I want to go back to, to those last few seconds, though. Where, okay, we, we can, as you say, you know, we can sit and analyse it and go, all right, well, why didn't this person do this? Why didn't this person? Remember the amount of time that these guys have to actually think through this whole thing, right? So there's not long to go. The ball's coming down. All they're thinking is, right, the ball's coming down. We've got to defend. We've got to do this. I can tell you now, Ebert and 
and Jonas and all these guys, they're not turning around looking to see who's playing on who. They're worried about who's got the ball next and which way it's going to go. Now, we had about nine players. We had nine, roughly nine players behind the ball at that moment. They'd brought McGovern down, and we just, obviously we weren't quick enough to react to that. But the problem was we didn't have enough tall players, and Westhoff, who would normally go back to, um, to cover, was stuck in the ruck. So, you know, it's, there's still very much a human element to this. And I get that, you know, they're professionals and everything like this, but... They're also human, and, and, and there's, there's only a certain amount of time you've got to make these decisions. You know, I've got to say just quickly, and Bevo, happy to get your opinion on this. Um, I was picking on Boat, Westhoff and Ebert primarily um, today, <laughs> yes. but now recounting yeah. that, if I had to uh, make someone a, a scapegoat for our season and you know, go, see you later, if I was the coach, to shake the team up and go, shit... Um, it would have to be Brad Ebert, I think. I think his composure is pretty poor. I think Travis' composure yeah. is pretty poor as well at times. He he has a propensity to handball to players that are being sweated on and hot instead of taking the tackle or trying to hold the ball a little bit longer. But Brad Ebert, I guess he's been a repeat offender this year for this sort of stuff. And he's been a shadow of what he was in 2013-14, which is very unfortunate. So I don't know, I don't know what's happened to him. I don't know if he needs glasses or whatever, or if he's just low on confidence. Uh, and I give him credit because at least he came upstairs after the game and faced the crowd and signed autographs and everything else. So I respect him for that. But I just feel like after this season, Hinckley has to make some leaders accountable. Yep. If he's going to have any respect from me um, as a leader of an organisation, because someone in a leadership position needs to be made accountable for this season on the playing field because it's not good enough. Yeah, I've actually been concerned about Eva. Even a few weeks back, somewhere during the middle of the season, even when we were winning games, I was starting to wonder about Ebert and his spot on the side. It seems that... Probably the last few weeks, he, he might have ju- done just enough on a few occasions to stay relevant. But uh, I agree. And I do think it's time for Boak's captain. As much as I love Boak as a captain, all I want is for him to play in a premiership side. I think it's time to hand that captaincy role over too. But the other thing is, I don't understand why Pollock, who isn't really a defensive-minded player, was our loose defensive player at the stoppage. I mean, it's just crazy to me. Um, You know, and uh, yeah, it's just... So, again, I just come back to the point. I just feel like this needs to be practised a hundred times plus, you know, in the off-season, right? That's what it's for. You practise this situation and you do it enough, you practise enough, you role-play enough so when you are under pressure, you've got a better chance, a higher percentage likelihood of executing. And you know, I don't get to training, so I don't know. But, yeah, it's crazy and it's frustrating. And this will lead into our debate very shortly. Um, Bevo or Cam, did you want to say anything else about this last two minutes, 30 seconds, or we'll continue on? No, I guess um, interesting about Evo, because, yeah, there was a situation a few weeks back where... Um, a few people, and I sort of agree that he might have needed a spell in the sample, but then I think he had a really good game in the showdown or the week before, perhaps. I can't remember which one it was, but yeah, I thought 
and even his game on Saturday, he might have made a couple of mistakes, but I thought he was actually one of our better players. So I think he hasn't been at his best this year, but I reckon he's such a quality player that he has a right to have a, a bad year every now and then. Um, and, yeah, so... I, a I bad year every now and again? Well, you know what I mean? Like, he's not... What I mean by that is that he's... You can't expect him to be a superstar every year, and he's getting on a bit in age. What? And he's also playing... He's also playing a different role now. We've got Motlop and Rockliffe and Watts in the side as well. Um, he's not the the key and power peps as well. He's not that key midfielder that he used to be. So he's probably playing a different role, which means that he's not influencing games like he used to. So probably got to cut him a bit of slack, Rick. Nah, man. Well, then if he's not up to it, he's not up to it. He shouldn't be playing. The coach, And this is where the coach needs to get tough. The coach is too, he's too soft with the players. And history is littered with coaches that love the players too much and the players don't reward them back and you lose an era and the coach will fall on the sword. And the, I, think and Kenny's been, I think Kenny's been pretty good this year because previous years he's been gifting players gains, but this year he's dropped guys like Rockcliffe Watts, Power Pepper, you know, like it, Pittard. He's, he's been making some big calls this year, which he hasn't done. I remember Treadray saying this earlier on in the year. So I think he is... He's starting to be a bit tougher. I don't think he's tough enough, man. Honestly, I think he's backing these... Um, he's backing the same players in, as I said before, numerous times, and uh, it's they're not rewarding him. This repeat... It's repeat failure. It's repeat systematic failure. But the thing is, though, if we'd won the games against the Crows, West Coast, Hawthorne, um, and right. the Frio game... I'll they make wouldn't a, be talking about it. Though. But we didn't. And we but lost. But we were close. And, no, it doesn't we matter. It doesn't matter though. if we're close. We, this, and this is what happens season after season after season. We lose. We'll d- drop that game to Carlton. We almost dropped the game to bloody Carlton this year. You know, we're always unlucky. There's always an umpiring decision. There's always, you know, the team that rises up to beat us when they shouldn't. But the whole thing is the great side still win. Right? And we're not. And I'll make it. I'll make it really simple for you, right? Do you think Jack Cale would tolerate senior players in this repeat performance like Ken Hinckley does? Just simple yes or no answer. If you go back in time, I know they're different eras and everything else, but coaching is still coaching. Do you think that Jack would put up with the performance of senior players like Ken Hinckley has? Yes or no? Cam, you can answer that one. <laughs> Come on, Jack. Simple yes or oh, no. Am I being uh, completely different here as mate? I'm not going to answer that. Oh, come no, on. Okay, no. You, you oh, know why? Because is. you know what no, the no. answer is. You know that no, he, he oh, wouldn't. I've, I've played footy over different eras, right? And they are completely... Di- no, you're right. Jack would not have done that. But also, you know... Jack, he, he's from a different different age, mate. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's still, it's still the mate, same principles. Jack didn't have a bunch of assistant coaches and other things like that that he had to deal with and to put, you know, it's, it's completely different. But no, of course not. <laughs> 
I think Mick wants to know if you two are related to Ken. Oh, I know no, they're funny defenders, just, aren't they, guys? Oh, just, no, no, I, I think like what's wrong with me? What's going on here? Am I abnormal? Have I got a different? We're gonna and we're gonna talk. We're gonna have this debate shortly. But uh, yeah, uh, I, I don't know. I'm with you, Mick. I think these guys are bloody soft. Oh, um, come on, Mick. Who, who would we bring in instead? Who, who would be our coach if it's not? And, and and I'm sure there are better ones out there. But who is available that we could get that would be worth it? But anyway, yeah, we, we don't know the we, answer. We, we honestly don't. We none of us know the answer. No, we, no that's we're the not. Thing. That's you know, thing. we're not part of the interview process. We. We don't no. know the inner sanctum of the football clubs, so we'd be guessing. But you know, yeah. I'd be—I guess I'd be targeting, you know, one of the successful uh, clubs at the moment. You know, if you—I mean, rumor is Brett Bratton's going from Hawthorne. He's leaving. Um, you know, Blake Carousella from Richmond targeting one of those bigger clubs. Um, yeah, it's just. Uh, here's, a, here's a question. Here's a question for you guys. Um, someone raised this with me earlier on the year. Actually, is Warren Partland, who's a sample writer for the advertiser. He actually said, um, everyone over like says our list is one of the best lists in the competition. Maybe our list isn't as good as what we think it is. And you know, like we, we're, every year, you know, okay, we've got Wads, Rockcliffe, Motlop, and these sort of boys, and they've been okay. And obviously, they're still learning um, our game plan, what have you. But um, maybe. It's just a case of our list isn't as good as what everyone thinks it, but that's, thinks that's, it is, and that's my that's exactly my point, right? And it's but it's got to come from the senior players. The senior players are the ones that have been there for the long haul, haul that keep delivering the same results. You can't just we can't just keep scapegoating these younger kids like Brendan Archie, um, Aaron Young. And all those other ones that you know come in and out and keep going. Oh yeah, they're crap, and that's why that's why we don't perform, right? And, but then you know we consistently get the same results with those same experienced players, and that's why I come back to the point I made today, and I've made it two times on this show. We need to just put a few of those players on the chopping block and move them on, right? Because it's just not good enough. And we can't keep well, scapegoating the younger players all the time. Well, name those name those players then, mate. I did. Travis Boak. Brad Ebert. Ebert, you said. Justin Westhoff. Right? I And unfortunately, I even lump... I'm going to say, look, Robbie Gray's in our top three best players of all time. And even I... Sometimes I get caught up in the emotion and I'll lump him in with that. I mean, he should have iced the game for us as well, but... Um, you know, he had two opportunities to ice the game and his set shots under pressure didn't didn't execute, right? But I'm not going to be that disrespectful to one of our greatest players of all time. Um, but definitely Travis Boat, Brad Ebert, Justin Westhoff, they've been in the system the longest out of all the players and I think are repeat offenders and non-performers. So I'm, 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 naming, them. I'm naming them. Look I've done oh, it, and I'm open, oh, it. and people want to have a go at me. They want to say I've got an agenda, and I hate Justin Westhoff, but he slept with my missus and whatever. You know, that's fine. But I see the good in Justin, but I'm also objective, and I see when he doesn't deliver, and he doesn't deliver in the crunch games. A bit like Sam did, Gray. Did, did he sleep with your missus? No, he didn't sleep with your missus. Oh, oh, okay. No, but, um, no, no. I actually, I'll, I'll say this. I could... I, I have no problem with what you're saying about the senior 
players. Like I, I certainly won't disagree with what you're saying there because um, I, I think that to, an, to some extent they are underperforming. But you know what happens when you start moving on senior players? They call it a rebuild. And I don't want to see a rebuild. Cutting off our nose despite our face. I would love it if we could just grab these senior players and move them and bring in some guys who are just as good and who are going to... But, but then then we're stuck in that rebuild situation. No, we, we, we hear that forever we, with, we with Carlton and Fremantle and St Kilda. Did Hawthorne rebuild? Yes. No, no I wouldn't say that they bottomed out. Um, yeah, they did. They, know, they finished last. When? They, 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 since they, they since their premiership in 2000, what? 15, they've bought it, they finished No, last. no, before that, no, before they got to the, before they got to, oh, uh, oh you're, you're talking about how they tanked to get to priority pick system. This is what I mean. Hawth- if we're going to go back to great clubs, Hawthorne yeah. is a great club at manipulating the system, right? They saw an opportunity and went, okay, we're going to tank here, right? And I don't care what they say, they intentionally tanked to get the priority picks, and which allowed them to rebound faster. And this is where Hawthorne is fantastic. They look at opportunities and they're ruthless and they take them. And that's what Port Adelaide used to be. They saw opportunities to pick Port Adelaide apart post-2004 because we didn't have enough budget to retain people. <laughs> and so they stole Alastair Clarkson, they stole Chris Pelton, and they stole Andrew Russell, who's been the best fitness guy in the competition since 2004. Right, I know we talk about how good Cam, uh, how Burgess is, and I, I like Berger, and I know him well. Right, but Andrew Russell's the best, and we let him go because we couldn't afford to go. And they picked us apart, right? And the history over the last fourteen years is has clubs, and when we've been going well, clubs have been able to pick our IP apart. Every time someone leaves, we're losing IP, right? But I don't think if let's say let's say for some I was right, and Hinkley came out tomorrow and chopped both Ebert West off, right? I don't think that's a rebuild. We've still got enough experience in, if we keep Ryder, we keep, we've got Rockcliffe, you've got Motlop, um, you've got Robbie Gray, you've got Dixon, um, you've got Jonas. There is enough experience in that team that it doesn't need to be a full rebuild, right? We'd be able to, we'd be able to attract um, some specific role players from other clubs, in free agency if we needed to plus with that with the draft right would still be good enough to compete right but we could target players that have specific skill sets like composure and decision making and good ball use and that might be the difference the winning and losing and i mean if we go back in time the most recent example was how the crows fare when they got rid of bloody mcdermott jarman and mcginnis you know, how hysterical was everybody when Blight did that? <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, no, I agree. So what are you saying? We should, we need to um, play the system. Absolutely. Right? We missed our opportunity when we didn't tank before GWS and Gold Coast came in. Right? In that 2008 to 2010 period, right, we... We were slaughtered after the grand final and we should have used the system and the rules and we should have just gone down and, you know, I can't remember if the priority pick was there or not, but we, we could see what was coming and teams did it on purpose, came in. You know, so when we were shit, 
what happened? We got lucky we got gifted Chad Wingard, right? The AFL probably did a deal with GWS and said, just let him slide, right? But at the same time, we, our first pick, we were the worst team pretty much and we got the first pick of pick six, right? Now, if we use the system better, we should have seen how we were tracking and how poorly we were going and we should have tanked it before GWS and Gold Coast came in so we could have got those picks, even though picks don't guarantee anything, right? But that's but, what I mean. But what about... But what about now? Okay, so that was in the past. Are you happy to see a slide to do that? Well, I don't think if we were to... If, not that it's going to happen, right? I, I know what I'm saying is outlandish, but I don't think if we lost Boak, Ebert and Westhoff in one season that we would slide down the ladder. No, I just don't. I just don't think they would oh, be the yeah. make-or-break difference for that to happen. Right. Okay, I, I, I don't... Yeah, I, I agree. I don't think we would. That was going to be my next point. So <laughs> you, you yeah. answered that. Um, but then we're, we're going to cop some sort of pain because we don't have the backup for them. Look, I, I'm all for culling some of the senior players. I, 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 am, I have no problem with that if, if the coaches were, were willing to do that. Our only problem is there will be some kind of a slide because I don't know that we've quite got the backup coming through just yet. Well, Bevo, aren't we sliding already anyway? Yeah, I don't know. I See, I really rate Re- – I love Westy. I think he's so important to our side, and um, yeah. I'm always going to stand up. I'm always going to stand up for him <laughs> because he's such a versatile player that can play both ends, and, and he, you know, like he'll probably go close to winning our best and Ferris this year. He's had one of those years, so um, I, I rate Westy. Um, Bogue's disposal frustrates me and E, but, yeah, I guess if they want to – if we can get something better, then maybe, but I don't know. I'm I'm a bit like, like what Cam said. I don't know if we've got – the depth to cover those guys at the moment. Um, yeah, but let's, I mean, let's okay, say, so... Let's say, right, we got rid of Boat, no one wanted him. Or someone picked him up for nothing in the draft, right? And we got Atley in, who's a backup player, developing, solid body, reasonable ball user, but needs game time. He's not going to be as good as Travis Boat in 2019, but he's going to get games... And he's going to develop, right? By keep Boak and Ebert and even Westy, they're keeping those boys out. Now, I'll let you reply. I just want to throw in here. We're, everyone seems to be enjoying the show. We've hit our 9 o'clock mark. I've still got about half an hour of content for us to talk about. Are you guys happy to keep going? Jeez, I haven't had dinner yet. But, uh, yeah, Garnet, it makes me... I, I, get, I get grumpy, so it could be a good thing. Toughen up, Princess. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, here's, before you go before you go any further, I if we were to get I know this is um you know, so say for example we lost we lost Ebert and we lost Boke, um and we got like an Isaac Heaney or someone like of that like a mate someone amazing, then I guess I'd be happy. Um but I, obviously that's not gonna happen. <laughs> but um in terms of Adley though, Adley's an interesting one. <coughs> I really hope we keep him. I'm, I'm worried that he'll go to North to play with his brother. I, I'm actually not concerned about losing Atley. At the start of the season, um, yeah, I, I had a lot of faith in him, but he really hasn't done a lot this year. And I know that's, 
you know, he, his body's not holding. He's had some injury problems because I think he's an outstanding, um, it's outstanding midfielder and could be, but he just hasn't come as far as I would have liked. So I actually don't have a real problem with moving at Leon if it means we can get something reasonable in return. Hmm. I don't. What? What? I don't know. What are we going to get in return? I mean. Porsche, you probably aren't know yeah. the answer to this question. Like, what what did we draft him at? But I doubt we're going to get even what we yeah. picked him up for at the draft. I mean, because no one's really seen him. Yeah, I, and this is my thing. Look, I think he's he's potentially outstanding, but I think his body's holding him back a little bit, and um, I, I don't know if we're going to quite get uh, what we uh, what we may have paid for for him. What about? What about someone like an Aaron Hall from the Gold Coast? Because I rate him. He's a really good player, and, and he's like quick, got good skills. That's the sort of guy I reckon we, we should be chasing. Yeah, okay. Well, what a, if you're going to bring up Aaron Hall, let's quickly talk about Jared Pollock. Uh, the rumour is that he's got a hammy yeah. and he won't be playing for the rest of the season. Some people are saying it's still be, to be assessed. Some people are saying he's gone. He's taking North Melbourne's offer. There was a rumour rumor on the big footy board that Ports offered him uh, uh, one, one and a half mil over three years. North are offering three and a half mil over five years. I mean, if that's, if that's true, I mean, it'd be hard, A, for Jared not to take that offer anyway. And, uh, yeah. and not only that, um, yeah, it's, I know Ken Hinckley came out and said we won't compromise our system. Um, so I guess... Do you guys think Pollock's gone? How devastated will you be by Pollock going? Cam, I don't think you will be that much. And I guess Aaron Hall has been spoken about as a potential person to try and target to replace him. Um, I haven't seen him do much in the last couple of years, but uh, how valuable is Pollock to us? Uh, okay. Sorry, Bev, I thought you might... <laughs> um... For me, I think let him go, and because um, as I say, we can use that money, that value elsewhere. I, I think he is quite handy for our side, and my preference would be, for, well, actually, no, probably a week or two ago, my preference was definitely for him to stay uh, because he, he certainly does offer a lot on it. He's a good outside runner, but um, I, I think he could certainly free up a lot for us to to fill a probably a. a a muchly needed gap. I, I think it, it's not difficult to come across um, outside runners uh, who can get a lot of the ball. But uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'd be quite happy for him to go. Yeah, it's going to be interesting this week if he doesn't play. Um, I'm thinking that we put sort of po- sorry, not Polly. Um, we put Jasper or Bonner on a wing um, just to try something different. What do you guys think about that? If this is if Polly doesn't play. Well, I mean, as um, as Mix pointed out, he is our best ball user. Uh, he will be a huge loss. I think Bonner, it's... Look, we can talk about Bonner potentially. It'd still be a work in progress with Bonner, but Bonner can be a good ball user and he can use run and carry um, quite strongly. So, But I think we probably would need to look at replacing him with someone with a bit of experience and speed um, because, yeah, I don't think we can just expect Bonner to be an instant replacement um, I guess what what do you think? Like, do you think another club might come in and try and match um, North Melbourne's offer if this is all true? And obviously, Port's going to try and negotiate. Will we try and get a um, 
a higher pick from say a Carlton or a uh, or a St Kilda perhaps, which might be below North Melbourne. Um, you know, where do you where, what pick do you think we might be able to milk out of this whole Pollock situation if he does go? I, I, uh, <laughs> geez, Bevo, I was uh, I was expecting big things from you there, mate. Um, no, I'm, yeah, just, look, I'm just letting the, you jump in, mate. I don't, I don't want to steal your thunder. So, <laughs> thanks, mate. Look, I, I look, I, I'd love it if a lower club did. I, I have no idea. I, I don't know what's going on in the background, so um, I, I don't know. The rumour has it that St Kilda are talking to him. I, I think Carlton would certainly benefit from a player like him and they Carlton need a good, experienced player like that. But, I mean, they might have other ideas with the list that they've got. So, um, look, even from a, from a free agency point of view, uh, we, we should get a reasonable compensation pick for him, you would think, somewhere in the first round. So, um yeah, look, at the end of the day, if it doesn't work in our favour, I won't, as much as I'll be disappointed, I won't be gutted. Oh, imagine yeah, if Hawthorne I mean, picked uh, him up. He's definitely, yeah. he's definitely one, of our, one of our best ball users, there's no doubt about that. And, you know, he's probably been one of our best players this year. But, yeah, we don't want to sort of... We're going to get Hamish back next year, who people are forgetting about how important he is to, to our structure and everything. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's going to... It's going to suck a little bit, but I think we've got enough players there and hopefully we get something good in return. Um, another thing I was thinking of as well, boys, I loved, I absolutely love Toddy Marshall, but do you potentially think with his injuries and what have you um, that he's trade bait? Would consider it. I'll throw mm, that in. Yeah. I know it's like, it's like shooting Bambi, but, um, you know, I was actually thinking about it this afternoon. Um, yeah, again, not probably not popular, but yeah, absolutely. I, I, I don't see why not. I, I, and I'm not saying a, an absolute trade bait. I'm just saying if, if certain things went down and it was on the table, then you'd have to consider it. Like, for example, like if it meant we got someone of the cat, like obviously Marshall was a, a, a great young player and I, I love him, um, but I'm just saying, you know, like he's not completely. Uh, you know, Robbie Gray, we're not going to trade him, of course. But, you know, like, um, I think if we could get someone amazing, like, I'm just thinking, like, say say if we've got, like, a Heaney or I think Penderbury's pretty banged up. But I'm just saying, like, some of that that calibre. And when we lost to Toddy Marshall, you, you wouldn't say no, would you? Let's be honest. Well, would you trade Todd Marshall or would you trade Charlie Dixon? Oh. I'd, tra- I'd probably trade... Uh, look, and I just want to put a uh, disclaimer on this. I don't want to get rid of Todd Marshall. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not at all against Todd Marshall. I've no problem with him. But you know, sometimes you know, we, we talk. Yeah. yeah, I know. But we talk about coaches having to make tough decisions and list managers have. If it meant like a Lyset or something along those lines, if it, if it somehow came up as part of a, a trade for a Lyset or a or a good ruckman, well then, yeah, you have to think about it. Now, no, I wouldn't trade Dixon. But no, I, I just, wouldn't either. I just, I just don't get how we can we can go for a Lyset because where's Lyset going to play? Um, if we've got Ryder and Lyset, right, we can't play yep. Dixon, Marshall and Watts. Um, yep. Plus Lyset. I just can't see it happening. I, I think it's going to... 
slowdown, we're complaining about lack of speed as it is. I think it's going to slow us down even more. Um, so I just can't see that working. I mean, I'm a big fan of Marshall as well, and I, I can't see um, why we would trade Marshall. But yeah, just that's the only problem I have with Lysett. And yeah, and, and that's why Paddy with his injuries now is a real balancing act with what we do because um, a bit like Westhoff, it can really throw our balance off at times if they're not 100% performing. Yeah, I, I agreed. I agreed with you a couple of weeks ago on the Lysett thing, but then suddenly, for me, and it's only been the last week or so, this this rider thing has become an issue. And I, I think, given that, I, I've got much less hope for rider next year. In which case, I think there there is definitely room, and, and I'm less worried about speed on that side of things. We can pick up speed somehow elsewhere, but it's height that I don't, it's height that, that we're lacking at the moment. And, um, yeah, that's where I think that there's certainly an opportunity for someone like Lysert. See, I reckon we're better off going for Proust because he's going to be a lot easier to get than Lysert. And, um, for example, if we gave, if po- like kangaroos take Pollock, we might get Proust and a draft pick or Proust and another player. Whereas if we try to get Lysert... We're not going to get another player. And Proust is actually going really well. He's actually got the most hitouts by 100 more than any other player in the VFL this year. There's a stat for you guys. So <laughs> Good call. He's actually, Good call. He's actually a pretty pretty handy ruckman. So, um, and the only reason he's not really getting a game for the Roos is because Goldstein's going pretty well and he's a pretty damn good ruckman. So, and obviously you've got Magic Door there as well. Proust is actually not, not, not a bad player. He's doing pretty well with the Roos back in the day. Yeah, I, I thought he was. I, I actually had reasonable hopes for him uh, in the last year or two, but uh, he he hasn't made his way through. So, oh look, you know, when I talk about Lysett, I, I talk about a player of, of the sort. So, um, yeah, look, I, I think height's a big issue for us. And uh, as you guys say, look, we, we do need to look at speed as well. Uh, someone who hasn't come up in the conversation, I don't know if we wanted to move on to something else, but I do just want to say on the Pollock issue... Uh, don't forget, Don Barry's there and potentially, you know, another off-season for him or something could be beneficial and um, he might be able to help fill a gap there as well. Yeah, very true. But I just want to say I do love... Toddy's one of my favourite players and I don't want to see him go either. I'm just saying, hypothetically, like if we had to make a really, really big call and it meant getting an, an absolute gun of the competition, then that's something we'd have to maybe consider because he's one of our key players. But, yeah, obviously I don't want to lose him either at the same time. It, uh, I'll call it now that if we played, if we play on Saturday Need or Thomas and Sam Gray in the same team, we've got no chance of winning. There you go. That's, no, I agree. That's, yeah. that's my I, call. I want to see Thomas play. I want to see Thomas. I want, I want it to be right. LT, you go out there, you've got two games to show whether or not you get a contract next year. I, I personally, like I said to you before, I, I don't necessarily rate our chance of making finals. Even if we make it, we're not going to do anything. So for me, this season's done. And, you know, respect, on a, on a, you know, I'm okay with that. I think now it's, Lindsay, go out and prove yourself or you're done. So... There's two schools of thought here, which really leads into our debate, Cam. 
Um, There's a certain group of supporters which say, oh my God, how can some people not want us to make finals, right? And then you've got other people that are saying, I don't want us to make finals because we're only going to be making up the numbers anyway. And making finals is going to paper over the cracks of some surface, what we believe surface KPIs for the coaches with them being able to say, hey, we made finals, but we just weren't good enough to win the grand final. Whereas not making finals will actually, you know, make the club go, W2F, what's going on here? Right? Well, we need to appease the fans, blah, 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 blah. Um, Where are we as a footy club? Right? Uh, I was going to get you to the chair this quick debate, if you want to. Yeah, Uh, go on. Let's go. We'll try and keep it for five minutes. So then we can do... I'll keep an eye on the time. And then we can... uh, we can then do a quick big footy couple of questions from there. Um, I'll start, Bev. I'll give you the advantage. I'll reveal my hand early, and uh, yep. and then you can counteract because I know you're you're of the Gen Y mentality, bit soft, bit buttery, all that sort of stuff. Um, <laughs> so uh, look, I'm angry. I'm a Port supporter, right? And I'm a I've grown up with success, and I get it. We're in the AFL, the top tier competition. And we're not going to win premiership after premiership after premiership. But we we grew up with a club that had eras, right? Now, since 2001, personally, we have underperformed as a footy club. And as a supporter base, um, we keep finding excuses and whinging and want to complain at times. But really, we've been let down. Like 2001 to 2003, we had the choking tag. Oh, shut up, Porsche. Right? We choked. We missed, we missed finals that we should have won. Right? We, we missed opportunities. We won in 2004. Then we were embarrassed on the big stage in 2005. We got smashed by the Crows in 2005. No bigger embarrassment. Didn't make finals in 2006. 2007, we were embarrassed again. 2008 to 12, we were in the, in the wilderness, ghost land. Uh, we had two years in the sun. Then 15, 16, nothing. 17 was an embarrassment in the finals. And 2018 is going to be another fizzer. That's nine years out of 11 that we've been a fizzer. Now, I don't expect us to win the grand final every year, but I expect us to be competitive and I expect us to be ruthless as a footy club. And we're not ruthless. And I feel like a lot of fans now are just happy to see us make up the numbers in a competition. Right? And we're not that sort of club. We're a ruthless club that goes out to win game after game and year after year. That's our that's our motto. That's our mantra. We exist to win premierships. And I don't think that we actually do anymore. And that's what I think. I we just we've become a little bit meek as a footy club. And we're not we've, Thanks, lost, that, we've lost that ruthless edge. <laughs> so it's all about the ruthlessness and uh, our place in the, the competition. Bevo, what have you got, mate? Yeah, well, obviously, I grew up loving the Magpies, loving Scotty Hodges, Timmy Ginnivar, these sort of boys, and, and winning lots of premierships. And so I've come out of the same mould whereby, you know, like I was expecting the power to win more premierships than what we have. But I also realised that we're in the toughest competition that is so bloody hard. And... I know 2007 was. Whoop, um, sorry, I just lost my phone for a second. There. 2007 was a disaster, but let's be honest, Geelong would have been anyone by 10 goals that day. They were that good. Um, 2004 was amazing, and we probably choked in what 2001 
two and three, no doubt about that. But, you know, when you consider that you look at us versus, say, like a Frio, they've been in the competition longer than us. They've only played in one grand final. The, the, um, the Gold Coast Suns and GWS have had all those concessions. The Suns haven't made finals at all. And the GWS have played two prelims, still haven't won a grand final yet, and they may not win one this year. They've been, in my opinion, massive, massive underachievers compared to us, considering all the number one draft picks that they got. Um, so, yes, yeah, so I'm disappointed with how things have gone this year, but I don't know if it's all doom and gloom. I think we've still got a lot of excite- excitement to come in the next few years. We've still got a lot of good talent. Um, yes, okay, Robbie Gray's not getting the younger and Westy's getting getting on a bit, but we've still a lot of good young players coming through and, you know, we can still add to our list in the next few years. What's Motlop and Rockcliffe haven't been as good as what we thought they'd be, but people are forgetting that it does take a long time to adjust to a new club and you've probably got to give them another another year before you start making judgments on them. So... Yes, I'm, I'm pissed off as well that we're in the situation that we are, but I'm optimistic that there's still a bright future ahead and I'm not giving up on this year yet. We saw 2016, the Bulldogs, what they did. And people might call me crazy and say I'm stupid. I've got no idea, but I still think there's not enough top-end talent to win our last two games. And who you know what finals are like. We get the week off and we can rest up players and anything happens come finals time. So, And we've beaten Richmond this year. Shared, not many teams have done that, so it's not all doom and gloom, in my opinion. All right, who's the winner, Cam? Oh, what you're gonna put this on me? Come on, okay, (laughs) okay, footy's footy's the winner. (laughs) (laughs) So, so we're we're running close to out of time. I'm 9:30, I'm capping it out, right? So, yeah, I've answered we've answered a bulk of the questions on big footy. So, the one last topical thing that a lot of people have been throwing around, and you mentioned it earlier, Cam, is uh, is the 2019 captain. Who should be the 2019 captain? Um, Should it still be Boak? Ollie Wine seems to be here apparent, but is that actually going to be the right one? should it be Tom Jonas or my crazy opinion is that maybe we should look at Chad Wingard and I've got a reason for that, but I'm happy for you guys to chuck out an answer on who you would like to see captain. No, not Wingard. <laughs> um, I'll Jonas tell you my would... reason after you guys have spoken. Jonas would be Jonas would be good, but that puts extra pressure on him in defence and you know, we know how good a defender he is. Yeah, maybe yeah, Jonas perhaps. Um, but I think Ollie's, Ollie's definitely the front runner for me. I think um, no, I, I I love the I, I love the fact that I uh, mentioned on the chat earlier Jonas because um, I, I think he does lead by example. I think he's a great leader. Um, ha- however, I do get the feeling that it was probably part of Ollie Wines' conditions that he'll probably be the captain, and, and I think he can certainly lead by example. He uses his body well. He's uh, He's a good leader out in the field, and I certainly think um, Ollie could do the job. But uh, uh, Jonas would be Jonas would be my backup op- backup option in that situation. Well, I think I think we couldn't lose with Jonas or Hartlett as captain. Um, I guess, and well, even Ollie would be a great captain. I just not convinced that he's completely ready yet. And I'd love. I think he can elevate his game to another level with a bit more consistency. And I don't know if uh, the pressure of captain. Um, is really the burden that he should wear at this point in time. 
Uh, I guess so. The reason I I sort of nominated my choice would be Chad is because Chad is a natural leader. He was uh, he was the under eighteen captain as well, but he he thrives under pressure. He loves pressure. He loves executing under pressure, and he has this strong ability to put himself in the hole when he needs to. He can do the inspirational things. He can do the uplifting things. And I know people view Chad as a little bit arrogant, but I also believe that. He can be the man that can rise to the occasion and inspire his teammates by not only doing the flashy stuff but also doing the hard stuff and leading by example. And uh, and that's why, personally, I'd love for Chad um, to be given that opportunity because I think he's one of those guys that once he gets it, we would all be shocked at what, what he could rise to. But, I mean, Jonas is a solid... Solid defender. He's a great club man. You know, we couldn't, we wouldn't really go lot wrong if it was Jonas. But for me, it's um, Chad for that reason. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, no, it's, it's, uh, I, 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 I disagree, but I, I think, but hey, don't have a problem with it. That, that's so, why, I yeah. guess, why do you, why do you disagree with that? Because I don't see Chad as um, he's he not a, a lover of the game. Okay, so Chad admits he doesn't live and breathe football, right? And and not that you necessarily have to. He's got preferences outside of footy being, say, basketball and that type of thing. I don't think he'd want to be captain of the side. I mean, when you're a teenager and you, you've got nothing else going on and captain captaincy's sort of put on you, yeah, you take it, right? But I don't think at this point that's really Chad's main goal in life. I think Chad... Wants to, he's good at footy. He knows he's good at footy. He wants to play. Wants to play at Port Adelaide. Wants to win a premiership. But I don't think he really wants to be captain. You don't know that, though. No, I don't. But <laughs> that's my that's that's my argument. <laughs> yeah, I get it. I, I mean, look, yeah. but he might be one of those people that just is playing coy. But if he's yeah. given it. He might take it. I, I just think he's our natural inspirational yep. leader. And I think that's what we need now. We need, you know, our best player to be our best leader. I mean, some people even threw out Robbie Gray. No, fair call. Yeah. Oh, no, look, fair call. Because as you say, as you said, you never know. You put them in the situation and they could absolutely shine. Um, so, yeah, look, I, I don't have a problem with that. Like I say, still my preference is around Ollie Wines. Yeah. Yeah. Boys, we can uh, put it all to sleep now. Yes, Porsche, I'm wearing them out. Yeah, they're not hardened like me. I've been going six years now on this show, and so I can go for hours and hours. I can even do a Rick, Tuesday Rick, night show. Rick, I'm so worn out. I'm not even going to be able to be on the show next week. So oh, you, you've mate. absolutely caned me, mate. And I, I met a I met a guy at at the footy just quickly, Steve from Coast FM. He used to be a football commentator as well. He said he was going to tune in tonight, so hopefully he wasn't too drunk and he remembered how to how to find <laughs> the show. We might we might be able to get another host on to do another show because he sounded really excited. <laughs> on, Steve. So, so uh, hopefully Steve tuned in. And uh, but look, I just want to say we've had great chat tonight. It's been awesome. You guys have been fantastic, Bevo and Cam. Thanks for. Uh, um, and, uh, yeah, thanks for coming on. And Craig reckons we're weak compared to the Portress. We might be, but at least we're more intellectual than what they are. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nah, thanks, mate. It's been great. All right, Sensational. Boys. We'll, see, we'll see you next Wednesday, uh, next Monday, and uh, Bevo, we'll, we'll see if we maybe we can get someone with a bit bigger heart that can join us on the <laughs> and, and not whip out. Plan, mate. Hopefully, we're celebrating a port win. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, hopefully it. it'd be nice to commentate a win. We've had a we've had a few losses in, in a row now, so uh, all exactly. good. Thank you everyone for keep joining in. Thanks, boys, and we'll speak to you soon. Keep, hashtag Thanks. keep the faith. Thanks, <laughs> keep the faith. <laughs> See you guys. See you. Dream of step up on the plate, don't Every kid in the backyard with the big trees lined up with the footy before Mum calls you in for dinner. The shot for goal after the siren to win it. Jared Poulton, your time has come. Drop part. Your time has come. What a win.